Chapter Twenty Three of the Crucifixion of Philip Strong by Charles Monroe Sheldon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by David Gore. Chapter Twenty Three. Philip read the letter through without lifting his eyes from the paper or making any comment. It was as follows: Philip Strong, Calvary Church, Milton. As clerk of the church, I am instructed to inform you of the action of the church at a regularly called meeting last Monday night. At that meeting it was voted by a majority present that you be asked to resign the pastorate of Calvary Church for the following reasons. 1. There is a very widespread discontent on the part of the church membership on account of the use of the church for Sunday evening discussions of social, political, and economic questions, and the introduction into the pulpit of persons whose character and standing are known to be hostile to the church and its teachings. 2. The businessmen of the church, almost without exception, are agreed and so expressed themselves at the meeting that the sermon of Sunday before last was exceedingly dangerous in its tone and liable to lead to the gravest results in acts of lawlessness and anarchy on the part of people who are already inflamed to deeds of violence against property and wealth. Such preaching, in the opinion of the majority of pew-owners and supporters of Calvary Church, cannot be allowed or the church will inevitably lose its standing in society. 3. It is the fixed determination of a majority of the oldest and most influential members of Calvary Church to withdraw from the organization all support under the present condition of affairs. The trustees announced that the pledges for church support had already fallen off very largely, and last Sunday less than half the regular amount was received. This was ascribed to the sermon of the first of the month. 4. The vacation of the parsonage and the removal of the minister into the region of the tenement district has created an intense feeling on the part of a large number of families who have for years been firm supporters and friends of the church. They feel that the action was altogether uncalled for, and they think it has been the means of disrupting the church and throwing matters into confusion, besides placing the church in an unfavorable light with the other churches and the community at large. 5. It was the opinion of a majority of the members present that while much of the spirit exhibited by yourself was highly commendable, Yet in view of all the facts, it would be expedient for the pastoral relation to be severed. The continuance of that relation seemed to promise only added disturbance and increased antagonism in the church. It was the well-nigh unanimous verdict that your plans and methods might succeed to your better satisfaction with a constituency made up of non-church people, and that possibly your own inclinations would lead you to take the step which the church has thought wisest and best for all concerned. It is my painful duty as the clerk of Calvary Church to write thus plainly the action of the church and the specific reasons for that action. 
A council will be called to review our proceedings and advise with reference to the same. In behalf of the Church, Clerk of Calvary Church. Philip finished the letter and lifted his eyes again, and again he looked out through the window across the sheds to the roofs of the tenements. From where he sat he could also see, across the city, upon the rising ground, the spire of Calvary Church. It rose distinct and cold against the gray December sky. The air was clear and frosty. The ground was covered with snow, and the roofs of the tenements showed black and white patches where the thinner snow had melted. He was silent so long that his wife became frightened. "'Philip! Philip!' she cried, as she threw her arms about his neck and drew his head down nearer. "'They have broken your heart. They have killed you. There is no love in the world any more.' no no he cried suddenly you must not say that you make me doubt there is the love of christ which passeth knowledge but oh for the church the church which he loved and for which he gave himself but it is not the church of christ that has done this thing nevertheless it is the church in the world he replied Tell me, Sarah, how this was kept so secret from me. You forget. You were so entirely absorbed in the care of Alfred, and then the church meeting was held with closed doors. Even the papers did not know the whole truth at once. I kept it from you as long as I could. Oh, it was cruel, so cruel. Little woman, spoke Philip very gently and calmly, this is a blow to me. I did not think the church would do it. I hoped, he paused, and his voice trembled for a brief moment, then grew quiet again. I hoped I was gradually overcoming opposition. It seems I was mistaken. It seems I did not know the feeling in the church. He looked out of the window again and was silent. Then he asked, are they all against me? Was there no one to stand up for me? The question came with a faint smile that was far more heartbreaking to his wife than a flood of tears. She burst into a sob. Yes, you have friends. Mr. Winter fought for you and others. Mr. Winter, my old enemy. That was good. And there were others? Yes, quite a number. But nearly all the influential members were against you. Philip, you have been blind to all this. Do you think so? he asked simply. Maybe that is so. I have not thought of people so much as of the work which needed to be done. I have tried to do as my master would have me. But I have lacked wisdom, or tact, or something. No, it is not that. Do you want to know what I think? His wife fondly stroked the hair back from his forehead as she sat on the couch by him. 
Yes, little woman, tell me. To his eyes his wife never seemed so beautiful or dear as now. He knew that they were one in this their hour of trouble. Well, I have learned to believe since you came to Milton that if Jesus Christ were to live on the earth in this century and become the pastor of almost any large and wealthy and influential church and preach as he would have to, the church would treat him just as Calvary Church has treated you. The world would crucify Jesus Christ again, even after two thousand years of historical Christianity. Philip did not speak. He looked out again toward the tenements. The winter day was drawing to its close. The church spire still stood out sharp cut against the sky. Finally he turned to his wife, and almost with a groan he uttered the words, Sarah, I do not like to believe it. The world is full of the love of Christ. It is not the same world as Calvary saw. No, but by what test are nominal Christians and church members tried today? Is not the church in America and England a church in which the scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites are just as certainly found as they were in the old Jewish church? And would not that element crucify Christ again if he spoke as plainly now as then? Again Philip looked out of the window. His whole nature was shaken to its foundation. Repeatedly he drove back the thought of the church's possible action in the face of the Christ of this century as often it returned, and his soul cried out in anguish at the suggestion of the truth. Even with the letter of Calvary Church before him, he was slow to believe that the church as a whole, or in a majority of cases, would reject the master. I have made mistakes. I have been lacking in tact. I have needlessly offended the people, he said to his wife, yielding almost for the first time to a great fear and distrust of himself. For the letter asking his resignation had shaken him as once he thought impossible. I have tried to preach and act as Christ would but I have failed to interpret him aright. Is it not so, Sarah?" His wife was reluctant to speak, but her true heart made answer. No, Philip, you have interpreted him so faithfully. You may have made mistakes, all ministers do, but I honestly believe you have preached as Christ would preach against the great selfishness and hypocrisy of this century. The same thing would have happened to him. They talked a little longer, and then Philip said, Let us go down and see the brother man. Somehow I feel like talking with him. So they went downstairs and into the room where the invalid was sitting with the old man. William was able to walk about now, and had been saying that he wanted to hear Philip preach as soon as he could get to church. "'Well, brother man,' 
said Philip, with something like his old heartiness of manner. Have you heard the news? Othello's occupation's gone. The brother man seemed to know all about it. Whether he had heard of it through some of the church people or not, Mrs. Strong did not know. He looked at Mr. Strong calmly. There was a loving sympathy in his voice, but no trace of compassion or wonder. Evidently, he had not been talking of the subject to anyone. "'I knew it would happen,' he said. "'You have offended the rulers. "'What would you do, brother man, in my place? "'Would you resign?' "'Philip thought back to the time when the brother man had asked him why he did not resign. "'Don't they ask you to?' "'Yes.' Do you think it is the wish of the whole church? No, there are some who want me to stay. How do you feel about it? The brother man put the question almost timidly. Philip replied without hesitation. There is only one thing for me to do. It would be impossible for me to remain after what has been done. The brother man nodded his head as if in approval. He did not seem disturbed in the least. His demeanor was the most perfect expression of peace that Philip ever saw. "'We shall have to leave Milton, brother man,' said Philip, thinking that possibly he did not understand the meaning of the resignation. "'Yes, we will go away together. Together!' The brother man looked at his son and smiled. "'Mr. Strong,' said William, "'we cannot be a burden on you another day. "'I am able to get out now, "'and I will find work somewhere "'and provide for my father and myself. "'It is terrible to me to think how long "'we have been living in your slender means.' "'And William gave the minister a look of gratitude "'that made his heart warm again. "'My brother, we will see to that all right.' You have been more than welcome. Just what I shall do, I don't know, but I am sure the way will be made clear in time. Aren't you, brother man? Yes, the road to heaven is always clear, he said, almost singing the words. We shall have to leave this house, brother man, said Sarah, feeling with Philip that he did not grasp the meaning of the event. "'Yes, in the Father's house there are many mansions,' replied the brother man. Then as Mr. and Mrs. Strong sat there in the gathering gloom, the old man said suddenly, "'Let us pray together about it.' He kneeled down and offered the most remarkable prayer that they had ever heard. It seemed to them that, however the old man's mind might be affected, the part of him that touched God in the communion of audible prayer was absolutely free from any weakness or disease. It was a prayer that laid its healing balm on the soul of Philip and soothed his trouble into peace. When the old man finished, Philip felt almost cheerful again. He went out and helped his wife a few minutes in some work about the kitchen. And after supper, he was just getting ready to go out to inquire after a sick family nearby, 
when there was a knock at the door. It was a messenger boy with a telegram. Philip opened it almost mechanically, and carrying it to the light, read, Alfred died at 4 p.m. Can you come? For a second he did not realize the news. Then as it rushed upon him he staggered and would have fallen if the table had not been so close. A faintness and a pain seized him, and for a moment he thought he was falling. Then he pulled himself together and called his wife, who was in the kitchen. She came in at once, noticing the peculiar tone of his voice. "'Alfred is dead,' he was saying the words quietly as he held out the telegram. "'Dead? And you left him getting better. How dreadful!' do you think so he is at rest i must go up there at once they expect me he still spoke quietly stilling the tumult of his heart's anguish for his wife's sake this man his old college chum was very dear to him the news was terrible to him nevertheless he made his preparations to go back to his friend's home it is what either would have done in the event of the other's death. And so he was gone from Milton until after the funeral, and did not return until Saturday. In those three days of absence, Milton was stirred by events that grew out of the action of the church. End of chapter 23 Recording by David Gore